So yeah, I haven't actually been doing any intros of any kind. Just like start whenever, and I guess you're the first person who's like known what the starting point is, because we've just been like a few minutes in every time, and whoever's on will just be like, "Oh, is this is this the show? Like, are we recording? Because all this stuff is great." She's like, "Yep, all that's on there." So I don't know. I like Pete Holmes does it, so I'm just kind of taking his thing. Oh, just sit and just start, uh, just start talking. We're just talking, yeah. Like this, this will count. But you... This counts like we're, like we're keeping score. <laughs> yeah, this is where it's one nothing. someone. Um, but you have way more podcast experience than everyone else who's done this so far. Like, they are at zero and you have not zero. Uh, I've got huge podcast experience. What, um, do you want to talk about what other podcasts you've done and what they're like? Um, I've done uh, a lot of... Uh, a lot of mediocre podcasts. <laughs> I haven't done. I haven't done anything noteworthy. I haven't. I wasn't like interviewed on Marin after he interviewed Obama. Okay. Nothing like that. Uh, yeah. I just did. It was a lot of. It was a lot of podcasts of, just uh, when I was doing stand up, just friends podcasts. Most of them were really terrible. What were they going for? Just trying to be funny. They were just comedy podcasts. Um. Well, I think that was the issue. Is I think a lot of them didn't know what they were going for. Right. It was it was just it was just nonsense. I had a I think I did one that was a 2-hour conversation where we smoked before and then just sat down and started talking and uh <laughs> whatever we, it ideas was, it was, you it, was had. It, it was at a restaurant so we ordered food so it was us eating for a long time. <laughs> we actually um I got dinner with Schwartz and a couple of other our other friends last night and they kept suggesting that we do a podcast during the dinner at like a steakhouse. No, I think I think I think as a general rule, the best radio is always done when people are eating. You think so? Yeah, definitely. Because I know when I listen to radio, I like to hear people chew on mic. <laughs> it's, it's all that's all I really want to hear. Or like Mike Francesco with the Diet Coke. That yeah, that's that's just gold. That's the best kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, also or anything visual. What do you mean? Anything, any anything that are visuals is always good radio. So, oh, were you, the sounds, you can determine what the person is actually doing? Yeah, I think, I think audience always gets a lot out of visual radio. Yeah, I think so. I haven't done a lot enough of, of that yet. Yeah. A lot of dancing, I think, is good on radio. Oh, sure. A lot, a lot, of, a lot of dancing, a lot of eating. I think I may um, stick to not doing visuals yet, because, like, you can't see it, so that's kind of pointless. But, um, so what was this two-hour podcast that you did like? that you guys were stoned for? Uh, well, the first one, we, we had to do it twice. The first one uh, didn't record. Okay. I actually think it was, a, it was a friend of mine, Jake Kunkin's podcast, and it got better, except I was his second or third guest. Okay. And he didn't, he didn't, uh, he didn't record the first time, so we sat down and did it, and it just disappeared. And then we redid it in a park in New York a couple weeks later. Okay. Was it better than the restaurant? Oh, you're oh, talking... They were, no, they were both no good. Okay, okay. But I think his podcast got better as it w- went along. I actually, I, if I Google myself, which I only do a couple times a week, it, <laughs> it, it comes up as one of the as as one of the things. I'll see if it comes up. You've got that, time. and you've got um, Watch on Hills golf scores, You know, maybe? My, my Watch on Hills golf scores don't, don't come up. Do, you, do yours still come up? With yeah, you? they do. It's the only... Uh, my basketball stats... Well, there was this one time when I was on the high school basketball team... I never actually played really, but where they, um, it was 
Evan Maluzan was the kid on the team who scored 23 points, and I guess my name was next in alphabetical order, so they accidentally said that I scored 23 points. And I, I remember your mom was really excited. She was really that. excited. <laughs> I, I think that she she was aware that I didn't actually play, but it said I had 23 points in the newspapers. So like, that's enough for a mom, I guess. Isn't that bad, though, and that's your arguably your biggest sports accomplishment is a is a typo in the newspaper yeah and that's that's more points than i actually <laughs> had the entire season by like a pretty significant amount i think at like nine points maybe 10 points yeah that was cool though but yeah that's what comes up in google for me but your your po- this podcast episode comes you know up. what it actually i because i just i just googled myself it's been uh, probably a week or so. it's been a couple weeks since i googled myself and now it's probably more often now than most my people. now my twitter comes up Oh, nice, Cause nice. Because I'm, I'm such a big deal on, you know, Twitter now. How many followers are you now, up to? Well, I'm now a week into my Twitter career, and I'm at 208 followers. Okay, that's pretty good. People could follow me at G Ehrenberg DFS on Twitter. <laughs> and now that I have 208 followers, you better get on it because I think we're running out of spots. <laughs> I don't. I don't know how it works, but I think I think you run out of space after. What's like? What's the most you could go? What's up the there? most? Uh, what's the most? Three hundred, maybe. Maybe three hundred. I had my Twitter account. Well, the one I have now is a different one for some reason. I like accidentally deleted it and needed to make a new one. But my big one, when I when I had a ton of followers, I think I was at two hundred and seventy five, maybe. Wow. So I was like almost at the ceiling. Yeah. There's. The, <laughs> it was getting close there. I was gonna have to start, you know, deleting yeah. some people. That'll, that'll have to be week two in Twitter that I get up to two seventy five. Yeah. Well, after after all the people that listen to this podcast you hear about your your Twitter handle, like you're you're guaranteed to go over three hundred immediately. I think. Or I wake up tomorrow, I'm at two oh six. You think who's well, <laughs> who's gonna leave? <laughs> I don't know. They, they won't like it. Yeah, but people better follow me before I run out of spots. It's like one of those uh, the old infomercials. Yeah, where they pretend that there's where, actually a demand. Where, where, and yeah, there's, there, not. there's demand like the old uh, Sham Wow. Yes. Yeah. Sham Wow. Yeah. People, which, but to have a, to have an infomercial product that has sham in the name, and that it actually <laughs> ends up successful is pretty ridiculous. And those commercials, do you remember those commercials they used to do like, uh, uh, got like there'd be like a spill on the floor, the guy would throw the sham wow down, and all of a sudden the water would just disappear. Yeah, it was what magic. They, what they pro- <laughs> what they what they probably really did was put the sham wire on the ground, then they would cut the tape and then take a paper towel and wipe up the water and they and then they'd cut back in the sham wow sitting there with the with the water empty. That's pretty brilliant. That's, that's it really faked it everyone out. But that uh yeah, I think there's probably some conspiracy theorists that think uh that there was some advanced civilization on Mars and the reason that they ran out of water. So they invented the sham wow. Oh too right? much sham wow. They're not they're not biodegradable. <laughs> yeah. Everybody started dumping them in the ocean. Next thing you knew, all the water dried up. That's, that's what happened to Mars. Mars once had yeah. so much water, possibly more so much, than Earth. They needed more going red initiatives on Mars. <laughs> but that's, well, but that's that better sham. not happen to us. It's a good thing ShamWow didn't get big and on yeah, Earth. the guy the guy who did the commercial died, and they stopped selling them. It's a fortunate death for all of humanity. Yeah, probably, we would have all, we would have all died. Yeah, his death saved everybody else. Yeah, that's ShamWow. Those commercials. Should have done one. It's a fun name to say. Yeah. Shamwow. So, um, yeah, you're uh, you're pretty famous on Twitter. Oh, for- two hundred eight <laughs> followers. And that was as of. That have you checked? That was as of, was as of uh, two minutes ago. Yeah, check. Let's see. Still two oh eight. Okay. Okay. No, nobody's. It happens slowly. Well, I haven't actually posted. I haven't actually put this on the. On the. This isn't live. Yeah, but the people the people are chattering. 
Sure. They're not. They know what's up. They're just, they would join randomly. They're not listening to the podcast currently because the podcast is in production because we're doing it right now. So I guess that wouldn't. By the way, this is, this is, uh, this is unrelated. What are, what are we looking at? (laughs) Oh yeah. So we were, uh, brother for people who don't know what we're laughing at. Uh, my brother Dan was in the room with us uh, a few minutes ago and, uh, we were watching the Vikings lions game and commenting on how the Vikings were down by four and they were on the goal line and running out. The time was running out, and instead of waiting to the last second to try to score, they went into the end zone. What we thought but was so, pretty so early. The quick, the quick synopsis of this is: Matt's brother has uh, needs the Vikings to win for survival for for, uh, yeah. for uh, basically a bet that he has, and the Vikings went up by three with. 20, 20 seconds left, so we left the room, assuming the game was over. Yeah, and I just went and checked it. the score on my uh, phone, and it's a tie game now. Going overtime. Sorry, Dan. That sucks. I hope they pull it out, though. Should we watch? I don't know. We shouldn't watch. I don't want to see it. We'll hear the yelling. The, this will probably actually come through on the audio from somewhere in the yeah, house. It'll be, uh, it'll be Dan yelling and dogs barking. Yeah. We're, re- we're ready for it. And then, and, then, and then, depending on the outcome, we'll hear a smash. <laughs> <laughs> And maybe maybe Dan's hand will be broken. <laughs> maybe that has happened once before. Yeah, it, would, it wouldn't be unprecedented. It definitely would not be unprecedented. Um, so do you want to talk about why you finally decided to start getting involved on social media? The whole the whole point of it? Because you, you've been doing daily fantasy stuff for a while now, and you don't have Facebook. You don't have Snapchat, right? You don't have Instagram? No, I don't even know. Snapchat is so outside the realm of anything that I would be able to handle. I don't even know what that is. Do you want me to explain it to you? I feel like most people know what it is, so I probably shouldn't talk about it. So maybe just talk about Twitter? Uh, Oh, I understand Twitter. (laughs) Okay, sure. Because I'm a big big internet celebrity. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I guess I'll briefly explain Snapchat. It's basically you go around to places in the world just you know you live your life and you put your phone in front of your face and take pictures of yourself or you flip the screen so it takes pictures the other direction and then it takes pictures of other stuff in in and around the area that you're in and uh now explain to me how cameras work sure no this is this this is it starts so with do you, the need, camera. do you need do you need a phone <laughs> and a camera or oh no it's a ca- it's called a camera phone so it's okay. actually they're in one they're in one uh piece of equipment together yeah your phone that you use as a phone for talking and for going on Twitter. And how do you get the pictures processed? And then how do you get them up? Oh, you uh, go. You get into a dark room. You get some. Um, I don't know. You, you, it's 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 really creepy in those rooms. I'm not really sure how it works. You know, yeah, I, I'm probably not the best person to explain pictures. I don't really get it. I think it's uh, you shake it. It's a Polaroid. You sh- oh, you sh- right. You shake. Yeah, that's what that that song lyric "Shake Like a Polaroid" is from. That's a real thing that people had to do once. Does Outkast still make music? I used to like Outkast. Yeah, I liked that song, one time. It's been a while. I don't know. Uh, big bar mitzvah jam. Yes. The double bar mitzvah that uh, Andrew Bronson and I were planning. I don't know if it's if it's happening anymore. Double bar mitzvah. I haven't told you about this. No. It's uh so when you're 13 you have a bar mitzvah if you're Jewish. We're not 13 though. No, so double twice as much 26. Okay. You uh you have a second one if you feel like it and it's basically just for just for nostalgia really and to prove that you still have all the friends that you had when you were 13 and you inv- you, you would maybe invite I don't think I'm going to do it actually so I don't <laughs> know why I'm talking about it anymore. But you would maybe invite a bunch of the people that came to your regular bar mitzvah and say, "Look, I can still do this stuff and we have like the same candle lighting." And uh, basically just throw a party for yourself. Yeah, 
it's a, you know, if your ego needs a bit of a boost, so I was thinking maybe I'd do it just to be like, yes, I do still have friends. You guys all come. But but uh, he doesn't want to do it so much anymore, so I think... Oh, I can't not. figure out why. It sounds like such a good idea. <laughs> I was getting a little bit sad as I was talking about it, like sort of realizing that, yeah, it, it's not just that it's not going to happen. It also just kind of, kind of sounds like a shitty idea. So, um, yeah, not going to do that. But um, Snapchat, so uh, after the the pictures have processed, which I think they have by now since we started talking about it, um, then you send them to other people. After you pick them up from Walmart. Yeah, exactly. Okay. You pick them up from Walmart. Put them you in put the them back in, you put, no, no, you put them back in your phone, and then you hit a button to, to send them to other people. But you can do it two ways. You can either do it individually, or you can just do the, what's called your story, and that's for everybody. So you can just follow people's feeds of their stories so that everyone can see it. Your sister does Snapchat. Yeah, I, I still don't understand it. Though. I, don't, I don't really know what's going on with her Snapchat. It's usually just people yelling. Uh, that makes sense. She had friends over last night, and I think that uh, that's all they do. They just yell. Yeah. But I, but that's uh, I think that's not uh, uncommon. I think that's what we did when we were 14 or 15. I think we just yelled. Well, maybe we're doing different stuff when we yelled. Like maybe they're what are they watching Hannah Montana or something? And we were. I don't know. I think I think as you get older, yelling becomes uh, less fun as an activity. <laughs> it's just yelling is the primary part of the activity. Yeah, I think definitely. Like she would have, because uh, I'd say yelling is uh, less one of my sister's primary activities now. Okay. But she would have sleepovers when she was like eight or nine years old, and that would just be fifteen girls come over and they just yell all night, and then they and then they fall asleep and they wake up in the morning. My mom gives them bagels and orange juice and they yell for a while more. And yeah. Then, and then their parents come and pick them up. That's that's the life. That sounds like so much fun. So we haven't heard Dan yell yet, and I. I no, that means the game's I'm, still going. I'm on. excited to hear it one way or the other. There's going to be a yell when the game ends, and that will be that will be interesting. I think. Um, what is what is your Sunday like doing daily fantasy in general? Since I guess football is not your main sport, but you do a lot of it, right? Uh, yeah, I mean every Sunday, but it's. Uh, I mean, I know I know there's some people that make a living just playing daily fantasy sports every Sunday for football. Okay, but that would be. I mean, that's. Uh, I mean, that means you're working 17 days of the year. Yeah. So, so you really, if you have if you have a bad seventeen days, that's a that's a very high variance way to make a living. To yeah. say that I've, I have uh, a seventeen day period where I can make all of my income for the year. I'm trying to think of a profession that would be comparable to that, but I I can't really think of one. Uh, being an NFL player. Sure. Right. Because <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, that is a good point. Oh, but at least uh, you do get a, paid the same I, amount. I got another one. Being yeah. an NFL coach. Oh, wow. What about being uh, an NFL announcer? No, they usually do other sports also. Oh, I, yeah, I'm not as good at this as you are, clearly. Um, so you do some football, but it's mostly basketball, which is more days of the week. Yeah, well, basketball, I mean, basketball and baseball, you could play, you know, year-round, and that would be, that covers more than every day of the year. Right, because some days have both. So basketball and baseball combined probably is like, 420 days out of the 362, whatever. How many days are in a year? Uh, 365, but sometimes 366. That right. one in four times where there's an extra day for some reason. It depends if there's a uh, uh, 
uh, the moon or something. Or the, the moon. Or the yeah, it's, it's something with the moon and the earth and the and possibly the waterless Mars. Yes, yeah, because that's everybody knows that when the earth rotates more, there's an extra day in February. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> Everyone knows. This is definitely not new information. Um, so there are a lot of people that, I guess, either say that they do daily fantasy sports professionally or they actually do it professionally where it works. But what percentage of them do you think are doing it properly where it's a sustainable way to make income? Well, however many people are paying bills doing it. I don't know exactly. Okay. I don't know exactly the number of people that there are. Um, There's more than just me. Uh, but uh, I don't. I I I would I don't I, I would have no way of knowing how many people there are that play daily fantasy that's, sports professionally. That's what else, I mean, what what qualifies somebody's being a professional at something? Um, like if you make a significant amount of money at something, are you professional, or mm. does it have to be your primary or only source of income? Like what if what if somebody has a day job that they make whatever, $50,000 a year, and then you make $50,000 a year playing daily fantasy sports, does that make you a professional at it? That uh, is an interesting question, and I do not know the answer. So um, All right. I'll let the listeners think about it for themselves and make a determination because, I, yeah, I don't know. But I guess I'll rephrase the question then. Um, how many – not how many people, but what do you think the the way to do it properly where you can win is or – more specifically, how do you do it? Uh, by winning more money than I wager. <laughs> well, do you do you want to divulge some of your methodology? Uh, you just win money and don't I mean, lose it's, money. It's it's that's the basics of it. <laughs> but the um, it, it's hard to pick out like an exact methodology other than that. I look at the games and the players that are available to me, and I pick the ones that I think are the best. And okay. I'm better at picking <laughs> the better players. My opinion of good players is better than most other people's opinion of good players. I like the structured format of how we're progressing through your your daily fantasy process. So you your goal is to win more money than you bet. You have to pick the right players or better quality players than the other people pick. How do you how do you make your opinions? What what information do you use? Well, a lot of uh, like football and basketball, especially daily fantasy sports, is all based on opportunity. So players are all priced depending on their production for the year. So a player is gonna have value to their price when they're put in an opportunity to succeed that's greater than the typical opportunity they're in so if a guy is a backup and the starter ahead of him gets injured now he goes into a starter role which means that now he's going to be getting two or three times as much playing time as he normally would which you'd expect there to be two or three times as much production right than normal therefore there's value on that player's price okay so so playing somebody like that just uh creates value yeah where other people might not notice there to be value right so i had i think you're sort of articulating the maybe not the dilemma but the way of thinking that i did for when i would bet on actual games just generic sports betting and it's you don't necessarily need to 
you don't need it per, you don't need perfect information to quantify how many points the player is supposed to get or how many points a team is supposed to win by. You just need to know within a certain range that this player will do better than people expect, right? Because there's a threshold where if you just if you're just expecting him to do a little better, that's not enough value where it's going to make any significant difference. But it's basically you're looking for a gap between what people think and what you know or perceive to be true. Well, I kind of just gave a basic uh, uh, overview of how I go about picking players in general. Okay. There's way more to it than that. But what I would look at somebody as a good play, that's where I would start targeting players. But then there's also things of what I think the public perception of players is and where I think they're going to select players, especially in a large field tournament, where can I play players that I think have a chance to succeed that other players aren't necessarily going to be playing. Right. So I think the biggest differentiator between sports betting and daily fantasy is the um, figuring out what the public is doing, because that's sort of irrelevant in picking the winner yeah, of well, a game. Yeah, well, when you're just picking the winner of a game, it's just you're betting against the house. Right. There's, there's there's no there's no there's no other variables. There's no yeah. there's no other human element to it. Like a lot of people compare uh uh daily fantasy sports to poker where there is uh you are playing against another human opponent. Right. But daily fantasy sports has way more variables to it than poker does. Yes. So in sports betting, you do care what the public thinks because generally the public is it tends to be misinformed just because they people in general are picking games in non-mathematical ways and using their gut instincts and stuff like that. Basically things just don't that just don't work at all. And it's more of an indicator what everyone else is doing. But in daily fantasy it literally matters what the other people are doing because you have to beat them, not just the house. So you sort of need to try to predict uh, the percentage, the usage of players that other people will use in a tournament. Yeah, and then and then uh, that relative to what I think the upside or downside of certain players is. Right, so two of the major things is having a feel, because you can't really calculate it, but having a feel for what players will be popular on a given day, and then also what players will have high amounts of variance in their games. Is that is that the one that you think you are most uniquely using because that's not something I hear other people talk about that play daily fantasy sports, the variance of players productions. Uh, yeah, I, I measure, uh, I have a column that I write at basketballmonster.com and, uh, like the plug the, let's yeah, do, big, let's do more of big, them. You, big, yeah, you, big plug. Yeah. <laughs> you could, you know, my, you know, my new content comes out cause I tweet it on my Twitter oh, at GS DFS, which has, uh, 208 followers last Still time I Still 208? Yeah. <laughs> Do but, you want to uh, say the Twitter handle again? One uh, time? No, no, no. That's enough time. Okay, probably I later. Want, I don't want to oversaturate people. Right, and then you're going to hit the limit. Yeah, sure. So um, how, do you, how do you try to predict the popularity of players on a given day? Um, it's, it's funny because before you're talking about how people a lot of times go about picking uh, – uh, the public will pick games by their gut. Right. And I think after just playing for a long time, uh, I could, I'll have a good feel just by looking at 
a slate of games, which games will be high scoring. I know what people would want to target. It's kind of, that is kind of a gut feeling where I could look at it and say, all right, I know a lot of people are going to be on this player because they've been really good the last couple of games. Right. That's a little different than gut though. I mean, sure. There's some, some subjectivity to it, but you're based, you're trying to be objective there. There's no bias for you in saying, I think this, it, it doesn't, it doesn't have a bias to it, but what I'm trying to do is, I'm trying to figure out what other people's biases will be. Right. So it's a little bit of guesswork. Events. Uh, it's, it's all guesswork. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's based on experience and it's logical and it makes sense. So to me. Maybe, to, maybe right. To well, it makes sense to me basketball. also. And I guess it makes sense to the people that follow you on Twitter and read your basketball monster columns. Uh, some of them. A lot. Of, some people know. <laughs> Do you want to um, share some of the, the comments that you get or not yet? No, I think I, I – think, uh, um, I think a lot of the, most of the people right now that are reading me are actually really cool and supportive. I don't have like, uh, I haven't had people come at me on Twitter or anything and say like, oh, your picks suck. Oh, okay. Because that, that happens maybe more with sports betting than I think, it does with I think daily what fantasy. Hel- I think what helped me was I had a really good first day of the season. Oh, you won people money with your first um, day I, and of I picks? Think, I think just getting off to a good start. Mm. is uh is is uh I, I think it would be different had i started really poorly then i think people would just tune me out immediately right but i think but i think starting well and leading people in the right direction then people are more apt to listen to me right i guess if you had a bad first day you could have maybe changed your name legally and had a new twitter account and wrote for a new site and then tried to have a good first day there yeah and then, then instead of at g Ehrenberg dfs i would have been at uh uh, you got Ehrenberg, it. Greg, GFF. Oh, GFS. yeah, they wouldn't have known. And then, no and one then would have known. Yeah, and then nobody would have figured out who I was. <laughs> okay. I thought it was a whole new person who got hired. Definitely. Yeah, they would have fallen for that for sure. Uh, the other thing was that with picking players was the variance. And, yeah, that's the thing that seems oh, most yeah, unique so to I, me. So how does so that I didn't, work? I didn't, uh, I didn't finish what I was uh, thinking there. But I measure uh, – so I'll take uh, – um, the sample of players' games. Right now, I'm looking at last year's data set. Okay. And I'll I'll measure the standard deviations in players' scores over the course of the season. Yeah. And based on that, I could tell who are the consistent players and who are the high variance players. Right. So high variance players have a very high floor but a lower ceiling, and then consistent players have they're just consistent. They have a lower ceiling but a higher floor. So when there are tournaments where I have to beat out thousands of people for uh, for uh, a prize pool and it pays out top heavy, I'm looking at players who are really high variance. Right. Whereas cash games, which are head-to-head games, 50-50s, where I basically only need to beat half the field, I'm looking for really consistent players. Right. So there are a couple ways that you've mentioned in the past to – either reduce variance or increase variance that I find really interesting. Um, one particular one with football was something like if you want less variance, pair two receivers from the same team because it's their um, their production is negatively correlated. So if one goes up, the other yeah, will go. Yeah, well, assuming, assuming you don't have the, the assuming quarterback you, Assuming also. you don't have the quarterback. Right. So if you're, if you're in a tournament, like I'll have a lot of – today's Sunday, so I'll have a lot of tournament lineups – 
we're all double stack with a quarterback and receivers. Right, that's so, for increasing variance. Exa- exactly. So for a tournament, I might have something like uh, Aaron Rodgers paired with Ty Montgomery and Devontae Adams. Right. However, I actually have uh, a cash lineup somewhere on one of the sites I play where I have Dak Prescott as my quarterback, but I have receivers are Montgomery and Adams because I think they're going to be the two highest targeted receivers for the Packers today. Okay. So I have exposure to the Packers offense, but it's not like I'm all in with the right. Packers. You're diversifying Rogers, that which, way. Which that would be uh, – that that would be too high variance for a cash game strategy to go Rodgers and two receivers. Right. I feel like it's a natural thing that a lot of people do is pair the quarterback with the receivers in all tournament formats or gameplay formats. Yeah, for lack of a better term. Yeah, but. I mean it's I don't it's not the worst thing in the world to have uh, a quarterback with one of his receivers in a cash game, except the pricing would have to be good. I'm not going to try to force it in. Right. Whereas a lot of tournament lineups, I'll I'll I'll. I'll start. I'll start the lineup with the quarterback, the receiver, and then a receiver from the other team. Also, okay. So I guess what we're talking about. Well, I think what you were getting to first was the variance of the players themselves, because this this topic is variance of the lineup. But then there are actually players who are more up and down with their game to game production, where yeah. players are just more consistent than other players, and sometimes. Sometimes a less consistent player is a good thing because if you're playing in a field where you need to, if you're playing in a game where you need to beat 90% of the participants, the closer you can make it to a coin toss, the better. So you want randomness. You want randomness, but, and then it also goes, uh, it also goes, uh, it goes both ways. So if there's, if there's a really high variance player that I think will be low owned, Mm -hmm. that's a really good target. For me, a big target in uh, Sunday games was Odell Beckham today. The over-under of the Giants-Eagles game was only uh, 42 points, which was the lowest of uh, any of the games today. Okay. Uh, but Beckham still, regardless of that, has as much upside as any receiver in, right. in football because he always has big play ability. Right. So I had a lot more shares of Odell Beckham today than the rest of the field did, and he caught two touchdowns in the first half. And I have him in about 15% of my lineups, whereas the field only has him at 5%. Okay. That makes sense. By the way, the uh, Vikings lost, and we didn't hear any scream. Dan, did, Dan didn't yell. He took it well. Which which means he's he might be dead. Yeah, well, we gotta ch- first we'll <laughs> check for the hand, and then we'll, yeah, we'll check for a pulse. Uh, no, I hope he's okay. I think he'll be okay. I think, but sorry. I think he'll, he'll survive, he'll survive the, uh, the Vikings' loss. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think it'll be fine. Um, the, the next place I wanted to go, I guess it's a bit of a jump with the analytics conversation and scaling interest levels. Um, it's so overplayed, so I almost don't want to even bring it up, but in terms of voting, I've been thinking a lot in the past couple days, way differently than I was before about who to vote for. And there's this dilemma I'm having where, there are so many more factors at play than just picking who you want to be president between the two people. And um, I'll here I'll I'll give this quote from uh, you know Nassim Taleb he wrote the Black Swan Fooled by Randomness. Uh, 
he's I know there's a movie called The Black Swan. It's not about that. It's not about that. It's basically um talking about rare events and how people undervalue them. It's like a ma- he's a math guy. Yeah, and Natalie they, Portman and Mila Kunis. Yeah, exactly. Mila Natalie Kunis Portman went is to Harvard, I think. I th- I'm pretty maybe it was MIT though. I th- I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, I know about Black Swan. Yes, I, I know that you know. Uh, <laughs> I can hear that you think know. They were lesbian dancers. <laughs> yeah, so this this is related to that for sure. Yeah. Uh, so he basically says that people should vote according to their preferences and even do it if it means that it's one of the third-party candidates because the whole idea of voting is that you're ethically obligated to um, – to project your actual views, your your personal beliefs on the country. So even if the person you're voting for has no chance, if you really, really agree with them, you should vote for them. Yeah, and well, that's, I mean, that's how I've always felt about uh, voting when the, uh, as of a few months ago, when I was still planning on, uh, on voting, I don't know if I'm going to vote or not. It really depends how much time I have on TV. <laughs> sure. But, uh. I was originally going to vote for Gary Johnson, and my dad had said that it was a waste of a vote because he couldn't, he had no chance of winning. And that was the exact same point that I made was that it, to me, it didn't, number one, my vote doesn't decide the election. Right. We're, anyway. in, we're in New Jersey we're at, also where it matters even less than most states. Um, the, the point is just, I'm just, it's, this is just my way of, of, of getting my beliefs out in some right. way, whereas I have more libertarian principles okay. than anything else. Well, are you also sort of doing like doing the fuck you to the two party system? Because no, it's nothing like that. It's just that of of uh, of the things that I believe, I align more with libertarian than Republican or Democrat or uh, uh, whatever some of the other things are. Right. Okay. I don't even know what the, what are the what are some of the other parties. The other parties, uh, did, I, uh, you're asking the wrong person. I don't know all the parties. I know, um, I know there's I know there's the one. Well, there's guy independent. Into, and the I know Green there's party the guys into lions. The guys into lions. There's a guys into lions. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know about that at all. Yeah, so. that's the guy is. Uh, <laughs> I, I think he wants to. His goal. Lions for becoming, president. His goal with becoming president is to throw like a seven thousand dollar lion party. Wow, that uh, that sounds scary. And that's uh, that's the platform he's running on. Well, I I don't think he'll win. No, probably not. He also only has one leg or something like that. Oh, did a lion eat it? Part up. Probably. <laughs> that would make sense, right? He probably shouldn't like lions so much anymore. Um, for me though, I'm trying to decide. Obviously, I, I've mentioned this before, but Donald Trump, it, I think, is awful. So, does it matter more to me? to just have him be prevented from getting elected or to make some sort of statement. I don't know that I necessarily align myself with Gary Johnson anyway, but just by voting for another person, there are other things that can be done. And I think everyone has these very rigid beliefs like voting, you need to do it because it's your right as an American or you need to vote for this because basically my point is everyone seems to have one reason why voting matters. You should be picking the best person for the job, the person who you prefer the most, the person who um, even just just voting to prove that what America fought for for all the years when we were oppressed and not a free nation, just the fact that we can vote now. Um, But I feel like it should be a combination of everything. It's too simplistic of a view to just say I'm voting because of one thing. 
and no one seems to want to weigh all the different factors. So, for example, I would vote for Gary Johnson only if he was a certain percentage or a certain multiple better to me than the candidates who are much more likely to get elected because uh, the hypothetical— I think you need one of those— uh, It's a really complex calculation that you'd have to do. I think you need one of do. those Venn diagrams like from Along Came Polly. From right. Along Came—there are, are only two circles in that, though. You need, That's you, need a whole movie, bun- you need a whole bunch. Of, you need a whole bunch of circles. Where you lay I all need the like pros. seventy you need circles where you, where you lay all the pros and cons. Y- yes, it's ba- yeah. Where it's there's a certain proportion where he needs to be better by a certain degree. That's a big. But waste then of there's time other things. Vote, well, <laughs> I'm definitely not going to do it. But I'm I'm doing a uh, a rough sketch of that in my mind. So. I think what I will probably do is just say the thing that matters the most to me is Trump not being president and I'll vote for Clinton. But in New Jersey, it's not going to matter anyway. So then I go back and forth saying, should I do something else with the vote? But the vote really doesn't even matter at all because there's so many people in the country. One out of 300 million. I mean, how many how many people vote? 250 million of them? Well, that's I mean, one of the things I think is funny is people get so emotionally invested. Yes. In in uh, in the election. And they, it has their emotion doesn't matter. It doesn't contribute no. to anything. They don't. They don't gain anything from it. It only creates frustration. Right. If you're actually trying to help people decide in a coherent, rational way, then sure. But for the most part, you're not changing someone's beliefs. You're just yelling because you like to yell, and you just want to get your emotions out, and you want people to hear you. It's yeah. It's nuts because. Your vote doesn't matter more if you're more vocal about it. Which is why you could say they're all like eight-year-old girls at a party. Oh, yes, like your sister's friends. Basically, is it's just a it's a symbol of all of America. What's going on at the sleepovers for ninth graders? Yep. Well, that's what that's what the election is. It's a big it's a big middle school sleepover party. It's a bunch of eighth grade girls just yelling, and no one's listening to each other at all. That's very sad. I think. I'm just going to take a minute to think about how sad that is. Wow. Uh, so I don't know what else we should talk about. It's too sad to move on. Um, this is that was that was that was the, that was the breaking point for Matt. Uh, I, I don't know what to do. Ten year old girls at a sleepover party. You can't get past that. I, I was so clear uh, in my thoughts. Of, it's and, the end yeah. of the world. That really is. though. Uh, they're just down there yelling. They're making messes. There's no more sham wows to clean it up. <laughs> We're going to turn into Mars. <laughs> We're gonna, not going to have any water. Nope. It's going to be a big red planet. We're all going to have to move to Mercury. Or we all move Mercury back. Mercury will work. Or we all, or we all, or we're all going to go back to Mars. I wouldn't want to. Would you, would you do that? Would you do the, because you know they're, uh, uh, Elon Musk wants to send all the people over to Mars. I don't, I'd definitely not go. Do you know? Do you know about that? Though? Yeah, no. It'd be great if a lot of people left and we had less of an overpopulation problem. Do you think everybody gets a Tesla if they go to Mars? Pro- they probably get things that are better. They than get that. Tesla dune buggies. To yeah. Go oh, that sounds really cool. Actually, hmm, maybe see, I wouldn't want to. Here's, I wouldn't. I definitely don't want to be. I mean, your chance. If you're the first people to go over, you're dying pretty quickly. Yeah, the first group will not the first, make it. The first group is not gonna is not going to live very long. Like, I don't want to get there and find out that, oh, we forgot that you need oxygen. Well, there's, yeah, <laughs> there's a, in Joe Rogan's new special, he has this joke. He's like, the people, smart, someone will argue the people, uh, if we're smart enough to get to Mars, then it's worth going. And he says, the people that are smart enough to get us to Mars are not fucking going. No one who builds rocket ships is getting in one of those things. That should be, that should be the, uh, 
the, the telltale that you don't want to. Uh, right. The people who built the, the machines that are transporting us are like, I'm not getting in one of those things. Are you guys crazy? This isn't going to work. I guess people just think it's really cool. I don't know. Leonardo DiCaprio wants to go to Mars. Does he? Yeah, he's the first one, I think, that said. What is he? He's going to make movies over there? I guess. He saw the, he saw the Matt Damon movie, thought it was real? Yeah, they could make a really good Martian sequel if they shot it on site. I think it would be really good and really believable. Yeah, Martian 2. And Martian 1 just... was not shot on Mars, right? Uh... I'm not sure. I think the book was written there, but I don't know. Oh, about the, okay. I don't know about the movie. Mm. I think the. I think the, I think they actually went to Jupiter to film. That's the movie. a bit far. Yeah, it was inconvenient, but better taxes. Jupiter has They to pay less. Yeah, Jupiter's got a great tax system there. Because you get the. It's, it's got something to do with the moons. They've got like 26 yeah. moons. What so. do you think astrology is like on Jupiter? Uh, well, I, I'm pretty sure leap year there. Is they skip? Uh, I think February has twenty nine days, and it happens uh, every year. So it's a whole different deal. Is that a, is that not how astrology works? I don't even know what you're talking. Astro- well, astrology is with the symbols, right? Yeah. Wait. Hold on. I'm I, I'm just processing now what you said because you said the leap year happens every year, which means it's not. It's just a regular year, right? You threw me off with that. No, no, no. no the, the leap year. Uh, the leap year. Instead, they do it. I don't know. I don't. I don't really know a lot about Jupiter's calendar. Okay. Well, anyway, um, the astrology sign. Yeah, it's the signs. Do the they have zodiac. the Mayans there? They might. I don't know. There might be people. There might. There's not people there. Oh, the. So I don't know that that I've said this joke to you, but it's Pete Holmes, and he says, "I don't even think it's a part of a stand-up thing. I think he just happened to drop it on a podcast I was listening to. It was like, wow, that's perfect." He said, um, "The reason that you know astrology and the zodiac are true is because." Uh, the moon controls the tides, and we're made of water, so it, it affects us, and that's how it works. And that's why all that stuff, like, oh, you're going to be very upbeat today, and some good stuff will happen to you. That's why it works, because the moon is controlling the water in our in our bodies. Do you buy that? No, not at all. Me either. Yeah, but I, th- I thought it sounded cool. Uh, I think uh, I'm more of a sun man. Oh, you must have missed. We. Uh, I think I think the. I think the sun controls everything. Oh, I see. In uh, one of our previous podcasts, we were talking to uh, my roommate Chief from college, and we were talking about how the sun is really bad. You know, we're just a bunch of fair-skinned people that really don't like to be outside, and the sun is just really annoying, and we love clouds, and we we would probably do better without the sun. So I think we don't agree on the sun. You like it more than I do. Yeah, no, I'm I'm pro-sun. You're pro-sun. First... You're the most famous person to be on the podcast so far, and you're the first person to be pro sun. Yeah, I've, I've really skew go, the listeners to no, be pro sun. I really go out. I really go out on the limb. I, I think <laughs> uh, I think we'd be in big trouble if there was no sun. I uh, really, yeah, we really would though. But maybe just less sun. Would less sunscreen be good for the environment? Yeah, you spray that stuff in the air, and it goes. Yeah, that's no good. The, the, aerosol, the aerosol can. Yeah, that can't. That has to be bad. Yeah. Well, so who knows? Maybe the only way to save the environment is to blow up the sun. I'm, I'm trying to think about. It. Let me uh, run the projection in my brain. Let me calculate this for a second. It, no, it's not. It's not going well. I don't think. No. No, it would be bad. It would be bad. You you might be right on your pro sun stance. Yeah, I'm very very pro sun. Oh, so there was this article that I wanted to bring up uh, about Dave Chappelle. Uh, we saw him two weeks ago. I saw him two weeks ago. And 
some journalist for I'm gonna look up the actually I don't care who wrote it. It was some dumb website. I'm not gonna plug them on our podcast even to the ten people that are probably listening to this. Um, but some journalist saw Dave Chappelle do another private show and wrote that he was pro-Trump and said all these horrible things and was basically supporting Trump and bashing Hillary. And I was reading the transcript. I guess she brought a recording device into the comedy show. And it was all sarcasm. And she just wrote the article as though it was true. Like Dave Chappelle said, oh, Donald Trump, I respect that guy for saying all this ridiculous shit and maybe getting elected. He's kidding. And it it was a comedy show. And and it's basically – TMZ, I think, was saying they had an article that Chappelle is really mad about this because he didn't he didn't mean that at all. How how does this how does something like that happen? Well, I think people t- for some reason people take comedy way out of context all the time, where they say, "Oh, the performer said this, therefore it's true." Whereas nobody they're doing where, jokes. Whereas nobody goes nobody goes to see. Uh, uh, girl with the dragon tattoo and say, well, that guy's a rapist. Why, why isn't that guy in prison? Like there's a weird, uh, there's a weird like double standard in, in art with comedy where people, people see everything a comic says. Well, not everybody. It's a small, it's a small, it's the politically of, correct small, social justice story or whatever. Of, yeah. Of people who will take something way out of context with comedy and they say, oh, well, this is this person's beliefs now. He said that, uh, uh, or like with, uh, with, uh, Tracy Morgan, like Tracy Morgan said that if he had a, uh, uh, if he found his son was gay, he would stab him. And (laughs) if you take that out of context, it doesn't sound good. No, it really doesn't. However, his joke before that in his act is about him wearing a hat made of shit. Right. He's, he's clearly making up nonsense. So... If you believe that he's actually going to stab his gay son, you also believe that he's in his house making a hat made out of shit that he wears on his head. He wears his own poop on his face. And, and for some reason, you're taking that person seriously. What? Yeah. I think it's either people just want to make a story out of nothing or they're really, really stupid. So, But it only happens with comedy. There's nothing else, there's nothing else it happens with in art. There is, there's no TV show where you see a murder and you say they support murder. They're pro murder. <laughs> That's there, a good point. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't happen in anything else other than comedy. Yeah. You watch, um, Shawshank Redemption and, and you're like, wow, they're, they're pro prison rape. They're, they're pro that. They well, who do. isn't? Well, that's, that's, I guess that's true. That's a good point. Uh, but yeah, at least they are. So maybe that one's a bad example cause it's true. Um, but yeah, that's yeah, it's it's crazy. Why would you take the comedians' jokes? They're they're literally just jokes, and pretend that they're it's real. It's jokes, and it's not. Re- it's also just not real life. Yeah, they're it's made up stories a lot of the time. They're they're pretending. It's art. Um, but I don't know. I don't have. I don't know the. I've never met somebody in in first who goes to a comedy show with the goal of being upset about something, and who goes to a comedy show not understanding how comedy works. Right. Who goes to a comedy show not understanding that they're jokes? Really angry or dumb people, I guess. But with that said also, how many people have gone to see Dave Chappelle probably over the last, whatever, year, two years doing stand-up since he's come back from uh, his time off? How many people have gone to that show 
and have not taken what he said way out of context. And and, and none of those – it's never – it's not a story when somebody doesn't take it out of context. Right. But one person out of like a couple million – yeah, and uh, then it's a one, story. One All person, it takes is one. One person out of a couple million goes on their blog and writes some story out of context, and then 30 people see it, and they react to it. Yep. And they weren't at the show, so they don't even understand it. Right. And now all of a sudden, it's 30 people with this opinion who were able to influence some other people. So it's really not that many people that are upset, but it but it's able to create a news story, but it's really an insignificant news story that doesn't matter. And three days from now, everybody will forget about it. I guess, but Dave Chappelle is doing SNL on Saturday this coming week. And I feel like there is going to be some blowback from, from this where he may end up not doing it or he'll have to address it in some way and say, he's, he'll have to say, I'm voting for Clinton, not Trump. And this is why. And the fact that he even has to think about this is ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, he definitely, he definitely would. He definitely will address it. I would guess if it's still a news story by then, and he should. And I'm sure he will. I'm sure he'll make it funny. Also, probably he's a funny guy. Uh, but it's it's a it's a nonsensical news story. It definitely is. Um, so you mentioned the people that come to comedy shows with really bad intentions, and you've done comedy. So what do you what do you do to those people? I guess hecklers maybe is what I'm talking about, or people who are just clearly looking at you like they're pissed off when you make a joke uh i berate them can you can you give some examples uh, you don't have to give your worst one because i know it and it's hilarious but uh, maybe i don't even know if you know my i mean it's uh i th- there's a lot of people that i did i did stand-up comedy for a few years and there's a lot of audience members that come to the show who don't realize that it isn't about them right uh, so I, uh, sometimes for fun would decide to make it about them mm-hmm. and, uh, I guess they would get what they asked for. Yeah. And not like it. Yeah. Some of them, some of them did. I mean, well, here's the thing also is, uh, so somebody like Dave Chappelle goes and does stand up. People are paying to see him do stand up. Right. When I was doing stand up, I mean, I would do some shows at clubs where people would come to pay see. But most of the shows I was doing were were shows in front of eight drunk people at bars at two o'clock in the morning <laughs> in New York City that people would wander into. Yeah, and it was really a battle of how can I somehow entertain these people and just keep a show going? Because when there's only eight people in a show, if you ha- if if you're not able to keep their attention to keep them in the room. The show is over when you get off the stage. There is no next comic coming up. The people leave. <laughs> you've you've ended the show. Right. The per, the uh, producer of whatever the event is needs you to keep the people there for the whole flow of the entire night. Yeah, but I mean, if because if if you're doing if you're doing a show at a shitty bar in New York with only a few people at it, if you stink and aren't able to engage the people, they get up and leave, and the show is now over because there's no audience. <laughs> right. There there are a few there are. F- like three components needed for a comedy show. Okay. And that is a comedian, an audience, and a microphone. Maybe not even the microphone. At least the first two. 
The you definitely need <laughs> the first two. I've done shows on microphones. It's it's an issue. Okay, we'll, we'll issue count as three. because because if you don't have a microphone, now you're just a guy. Ye- There's nothing that gives you authority. <laughs> you're just a guy yelling. That's that's. There's a good no point. difference between you and a crazy person on the subway train if you're just a guy yelling that's in fair. front of uh, strangers. Yeah, the, the another person in the crowd can start talking to, and now you, it's you guys going back and forth, yeah, and neither the, the, of you is even in the authoritative position at all. The microphone at least says, hey, look, I'm in a good enough position that I was able to afford $60 for an amplifier. <laughs> that Therefore, you li- this is what puts me above the crazy guy on the subway train. Right, you at least have gained some credibility at, at the beginning of the show. Yeah, I've made $60 over the course of my life. <laughs> Listen to me now. It's more than... that's. More than, I guess, some probably more than the people on the subway. And there's also just something about you have a microphone now. It's like, oh, this guy's louder, so we listen to him. Right. So it works. Three components. Comedian, audience, microphone. Yeah. And the keys to comedy. Yeah, and I, you need some kind of stage of some sort, but I would say that kind of goes hand in hand with the... It goes with the microphone. Yes. A little bit of an elevated floor. So you're a little bit higher. If you're a short guy, you get to seem like you're a little bit less short. Yeah, it just puts you above the room. Yeah. So uh, you, you reminded me of something when we were talking about people getting offended. Um, my new favorite news story is the Harvard soccer thing. And um, I don't know if you know it, but uh, the men's soccer team at Harvard – had a scouting report put together of attractiveness and uh, speculations about what the girls' soccer team preferred, like in terms of sex stuff, and it was sort of offensive. And they canceled their season because of it. And I, Wasn't it also from, like, a few years it, ago? It's not just from this year. Yeah, they've been doing it since 2012, so it's like a culture of sexism. And I guess... A lot of there aren't too many people that are criticizing Harvard because you don't want to be the guy who says, "Oh, it's fine that they said the stuff about girls," but should should we be those guys? Because I I think it's kind of insane. Well, the, the I think you could have a point of view in the middle where you say that what they were doing, what the team was doing, they nece- they shouldn't have necessarily have done. Right. That doesn't mean that the that the soccer season has to be canceled either. And I think most likely. The soccer season never gets canceled if it doesn't become a news story. So yes. even if even if the athletic director finds out about it, he might go and reprimand the team and maybe suspend some players that are in charge of it or whatever, and that could be the end of it. But the reason the soccer season gets canceled is it becomes a news story, and yeah. to be able to push against the backlash, you just go way over the top with your with your reaction to the story and then people say, oh, okay, cool. They get it. Right. It's, oh, we, we, uh, we're happy that Harvard takes a good moral stance on this issue because they canceled the season. Yeah. It keeps the, it keeps the soccer moms on Twitter off your back. What was the, uh, Bill Burr? Oh, it was the, uh, uh, Bill Burr, something he says that to, to start, uh, to get somebody fired from your job, to get somebody fired from a job, it takes 30 soccer moms on Twitter with a hashtag to all tweet <laughs> something at the same time. And then is what happens is people start to see it and right. then they think it's something they're supposed to be paying attention to when they really don't need to be paying attention to it. And then all of a sudden people think like, oh, there's this big public outrage. And then all of a sudden a soccer season gets canceled. Somebody loses their job. And it's really over something that it doesn't mean that it's nothing, but it's usually just an overreaction. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree it's not nothing, but yeah, the the way the media impacts reactions from institutions or jobs or whatever organizations where you have to do something because the media made this a story and if you don't do something then you're perceived in a certain way and it's just so it's so unnatural and it's I don't know it's a little bit perverse I mean yeah they're wrong but it's bad for it's bad for society as a whole I think that reactions of this sort are not based on the degree or the the horror of certain crimes or things that people have done wrong. It's all based on how you're going to be perceived in the media. Um, on a couple of the, I think we talked about this on one of the other podcasts about the internet and if it's good or bad, just in general, social media. And, uh, this is one of the ways that it's really bad for sure. Yeah. Well, that's why I like, uh, I mean, this is an old, uh, story and it's probably even, uh, just dead to talk about, but like Billy Bush losing his job because he, bore witness to something that a lot of people don't like that that he that he was just a witness to something Donald Trump said mm-hmm. and a lot of people don't like Donald Trump therefore he loses his job over it yeah and he has to just just to make a statement and they have they have to fi- and they have to they almost have to fire him uh they feel like they have to fire him just because of the backlash from people. Whereas I think that there's a lot of people that I wasn't even, I didn't know who Billy Bush was before then. And I think most of the people that said Billy Bush should get fired probably didn't know who he was and weren't watching his show anyway. Probably not. Yeah. I don't really even know who he is. Yeah. It's just, you. Ha- if you don't get mad about the thing that you're supposed to get mad about, then people think that you're a crappy person. So that kind of sucks. I really don't like that. There's a lot of things that are making making me sad during this during this podcast. The 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 little girls' slumber parties where they just yell and that's that's everything. And then, yeah, and, the, and the death of the ShamWow. Oh wow, you brought that up again, Sham. Who's, who's wow, the, ShamWow. What? Oh, it's a Sham. Wow. It's a Sham. Yeah, that's what. It, oh, wow, that's so that's so creative. Mars. They just killed Mars. Fuck you, ShamWow. All right, what else do we got? I don't. I think that was that was pretty good. Oh, no, it's good with me. Do you want to uh, plug your plug your Twitter again? No, that's bad enough. <laughs> do you want to check so you can see if you got more followers? Do I have more followers? Am I? I haven't. I haven't tweeted at all today, so I doubt I have more followers. What? Up? Oh, I got one. Two oh nine. Two oh nine. That's awesome. Congrats. There we go. So uh, yeah, I'll do it for you. Um, follow Greg Ehrenberg on Twitter for some awesome daily fantasy advice. This is the first time I've been able to say that about anyone who's been on that they actually contribute to other people's livelihood. So you're like really helping people out. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm helping, I'm, I'm helping people optimize how they gamble money. Yep. That's good stuff. All right. Well, thanks for, thanks for helping them. And thanks for doing it on this podcast that some people will listen to. Oh, we'll talk to you later. <laughs> All right.